Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Skywatcher What's Up webcast, where we take a look at everything from what's up in the nighttime sky to equipment to helpful tips and tricks. And of course, at the end of the month, we have a special guest on to talk about their specialty in the field of astronomy. Uh, last week, it was a pre-recorded episode. I was at the Grand Canyon Star Party. Um, if you were there, uh, awesome. Um, if you want to attend the Grand Canyon Star Party next year, it is the uh, week of June 10th. Uh, honestly, if you want to book a room now, now's the time to do it. Uh, they open up a year in advance, so you can actually go ahead and book, and hopefully we'll see you up there next year. Uh, but yeah, it was awesome, but we are now back live uh, for another What's Up webcast, and it's July. It's actually July 1st, the first day of the month. Uh, just kind of happened to land on a Friday. Uh, so happy July uh, for those of you here in the US. I uh, hope you have a good 4th of July weekend and uh, yeah, so why don't we get started with what's up uh, for the month of July. We've added a couple things uh, to it uh, from requests from you guys. So we'll get to that here shortly and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. I also have something I want to run by you guys as well as far as the uh, first of the month episode as well. So again, if you like what you see here, uh, please go ahead and subscribe. It lets us know we're doing a good job. Leave a like on a video. Um, if you have any ideas for a future What's Up webcast, email us at info at skywatcherusa.com. Title it What's Up so we know what you're talking about. It does take a few months sometimes for us to get our schedules together. Um, if you haven't noticed, we've already done July and August are already up there. So you can see what's up and coming. And... Uh, there you go. We are getting September put together right now as well. Uh, but yeah, go ahead and subscribe. Leave a like on a video. We appreciate it. Let's us know we're doing a good job and that we should keep doing this. Um, if you want to stay up to date with what's going on at Skywatcher, we've got email blast. Every week we send something out about what the episode is for the What's Up webcast. You can go ahead to our skywatcherusa.com website. Go up to subscribe and save and put your email in there and you'll get emails of all the cool things coming from Skywatcher as well as what's going on and where we're going to be. So anyway, that's how you subscribe to our newsletters. Now, brightest object in the nighttime sky, of course, is the moon. And the new moon for July is the 28th, so a little bit later this, um, later this month. Uh, we actually have two dark weekends. Uh, this weekend, of course, the second and the third as well as the 30th and the 31st. You can get out and have some pretty nice dark skies. Uh, we do have a very thin crescent this weekend. That'll be setting not long after sundown. So for the majority of the night, you're going to have some really nice dark skies. And then, of course, the 30th and 31st, um, that's your new moon weekend officially uh, for July. So we do get two dark months or dark weekends uh, this month. So that's cool. Full moon. Uh, full moon is July 13th. Also happens to be the day I got jury duty too. So hopefully we can get out of that. So uh, but that's July 13th. Um, it is the buck moon. Uh, male deers or bucks are growing their uh, antlers in pretty full. Uh, sorry for the absolutely terrible graphic. That's the best Microsoft could do with PowerPoint. Sad. So anyway, it's kind of a terrible, I laughed because I had to bring this up when I came up of how pitiful of a graphic that actually is, but that's it. So uh, that's the buck moon. 
uh, that is coming up on July 13th. So I'm sure over the next couple of nights, you'll see some very nice crescent moons as we move into the mid part of the month uh, where we will get the full moon up there. Now planets, everything's up in the morning right now. Um, Saturn is the first thing to come up right now. That's pretty late in the evening, somewhere around midnight, a little after, a bit after midnight. Uh, Saturn is starting to come up, followed by Jupiter. But by the early morning, uh, pre-dawn hours, you're going to have a nice chain of planets um, across the nighttime sky there. So if you want to get out, check it out. The planets are a very nice chain across the evening sky. So you can still get out and do that in the early morning. The sun right now, the sun is really, I'm just going to, I need to take some of these out. Um the sun is ever changing. I'm going to pull this up. What's going on on the sun today? So the sun right now, there's not a terrible amount of stuff going on. Why aren't these letting me go bigger? There we go. Usually it lets me go bigger. There's some nice prominences, some filaments up there. So there's some stuff up there right now that's visible. Um, but the sun is changing all the time. So if you ever want to go up and see what's going on, uh, particularly in the hydrogen alpha wavelength, G-O-N-G, -G, gong, uh, H-alpha is what I type into Google. And then this brings you to this site where they've got, you know, a nice collection of stuff. So there's some nice filaments, some active regions, some prominences up there, a little bit of everything to go out and do some observing right now. There is some sunspots. So if you have a white light filter, on your telescope, you'll see some of the sunspots, but really it's kicking off more in the hydrogen alpha, so you do need those narrow band uh, solar filters. Uh, please do not ever look at the sun without the proper equipment. If you do not know what you're doing, uh, we have several episodes from a couple years ago about how to observe the sun safely and the types of filters and all that fun stuff. Um, we've gone over that. Uh, we are going to do an episode, I think it's September, about, um, maybe it's August, about the coming eclipses. So we will have that about doing astrophotography for the 2023 and 2024 um, eclipses that are coming up. So that will be fun as well. But yeah, please do not go out and observe the sun unless you really know what you're doing and have the proper equipment to do so. But if you want to see what's going on, you have an H-alpha telescope like a Lunt or something like that or Daystar. Um, this is what I check if it's worth dragging all that out, especially because it's summer and it's probably hot um, right now. So, But that is Gong H-alpha. It's also a great object to sketch. Maybe you haven't got into imaging either. Uh, Sketching is kind of a fun thing to do as well. It does definitely improve you're observing techniques with your eyes because you're looking for fine detail. But I always recommend going out and doing sketching of the sun if you have a chance or any object for that matter. But the sun's a fun one to do. All right. Meteor showers. Uh, we do have one meteor shower. This uh, It is the Delta Aquarius. That's going to be peaking July 28th and 29th, which happens to work out because we're getting into full moon or new moon weekend. Uh, that time so it works really well if you're gonna be at a dark sky site you're probably gonna get a nice collection of shooting stars uh, while you're actually out there observing um, at the late part of July so keep an eye out for that but that is the Delta Aquarius uh, those are visible uh, this month later in the month we are flying through today's episode faster than I'd like to comets 
comets there is one up uh right now there's actually several of them up but there's a nice bright one and the way i like to look for comets is this website cometchasing.skyhound.com it tells you all the major stuff that's up right now but the big one that we were actually observing last week at grand canyon star party uh, was c2017 k2 pan stars uh, this is actually up in Ophiuchus right now. It's not difficult to find. It's about 9.7 magnitude, which means most telescopes can actually get it. Uh, we were actually looking at through my friend's 18-inch telescope, and she had a really nice view of it. You could actually just start to make out some of the, the tails uh, visually there, but those were some very dark skies, again, with an 18-inch telescope. But uh, this is K or C2017 K2 pan stars right now in Ophiuchus. Um, it looks like, can we make this any bigger? There we go. It looks like there's going to be kind of a cool that already passed. Never mind. Um, on the 20th, it was right next to IC 4665, a nice open cluster there. Um, this is outdated. They need to update it. Um, so it's actually moving in to uh, Ophiuchus right now. So it's uh, basically down here into the center portion of Ophiuchus, but it's not terrible to find. Again, it's only like 10th of magnitude, so any major telescope should be able to get it. Uh, but if you are in dark skies, that's a, <coughs> that's a good one to go after if you want to see it. I've seen some nice images from it uh, photographically. It might be something we have to go after and just take some pictures of. Um, but they are definitely, it's definitely a nice comet to get out and observe. Um, there is a bunch of other comets that are up right now that are fun to actually go after. A lot of them tend to be in the southern hemisphere. But you can go after any of them. And that's the cool thing about this website. It gives you all the details. If there's any interesting ones that are on their way, uh, this is the website to kind of keep note on what could be up and coming uh, and what you should probably check out and go observe. So, but yeah, the big one right now, easy to find, very good photographically, is C2017 K2 Pan Stars. Give it a shot. If you're going out this weekend, try to give it a go, uh, whether you're doing that visually or imaging-wise. We are going through today's episode far too fast. Probably because there's no planets up in the nighttime sky right now. Uh I'm going to hit the brakes real quick right here. I forgot to mention, if you want Skywatcher swag to go with your Skywatcher gear, we do have the skywatcher.threadless.com uh, store here. We've got all kinds of cool shirts. Uh, really just a ton of stuff is in here. So if you want to get some cool matching swag for your Skywatcher gear, this is the place to go. We're always adding different things up there. So go ahead and check it out. I know we've got shirts, we got pants, we got shoes, we got all kinds of stuff there. So something cool. For everybody, uh, if you want to stop by the skywatcher.threadless.com store and we will uh, get to it. So now uh, I'm going to try not to plow through this portion. I mean, we've been here for 10 minutes and we've gone through the majority of this. So I will try to stretch this out a bit. If you do have questions, I'd be happy to answer them as well. Um, so deep sky right now this is personally my favorite time of year to do deep sky observing because there's all kinds of cool stuff up there we are transitioning out of the springtime we are officially in summer and with that we still have a lot of galaxies up and visible from the spring uh, but we have a bunch of those cool nebulas that are starting to come up right now as well for the summertime 
Uh, the first one, of course, is NGC 4565 for the Galaxies. That's the Needle Galaxy. It's in Coma Berenices. This is a huge edge-on galaxy, and you should be able to see it in about an 8 or 10-inch telescope from moderate to dark skies. Obviously, a bigger telescope, but it's more impressive. Um, but this is a really cool galaxy if you're looking for something that's off the beaten path from, like, say, the Messier catalog. The Messiers are great. You still have, like, M51 and M101 and all kinds of cool stuff up there, but you cannot forget about some of the really cool NGC galaxies and IC galaxies that are up. And NGC 4565 is a very, very nice galaxy uh, to see right now. It's still in good position. Once the sun goes down, you can get some time on it photographically as well. Again, moderate skies will work, but dark skies and large aperture do definitely help. But again, you can do this in an 8 to 10 inch telescope. For our astrophotographers, you're still looking, you can do this from in town. I would recommend some kind of, you know, light pollution filter, you know, would be perfectly fine for it. Uh, that works really well. Dark skies, of course, with galaxies are helpful. Uh, the nice thing about doing this particular galaxy from in town is it doesn't have any really faint extensions. So you don't really have to worry too much about having to deal with gradients too much because a lot of it's very condensed on the galaxy center there. Um, and if you have gradients, you can usually deal with that in post-processing and it won't affect the galaxy all that much. So that's NGC 4565. Uh, it's up in Coma Berenices right now, which is well positioned, usually in the western part of the sky uh, right after sunset. So give that a go. Um, it is a good one. You could probably get a couple hours on it photographically if you're trying to finish up a project or you just want to try it. Uh, the next one, uh, of course, M51, the Whirlpool Galaxy. That's in Canis Venactices. It's kind of at the tail end of the Big Dipper, about 31 million light years away. This is a fantastic galaxy to see um, because it's just a really nice face-on spiral galaxy. Um, it can be fainter. Um, it can be relatively difficult from a light polluted sky. You're probably going to get the two cores. So you get the core of the, the main galaxy and uh, its companion galaxy there. But if you really want detail in the outer arms and the bridge between the two galaxies, you really got to get to darker skies. Um, you can detect it. When I mean the bright cores, you can detect visually from the city limits but if you really want to go um out and do anything serious on this uh object you really need to be in darker skies to really get a lot of the detail and the extension but an 8 or 10 inch telescope will do a nice job in dark skies and obviously bigger telescopes will be uh very helpful it was very nice to see this at the grand canyon last week um especially in the 28 inch telescope for the first time like seriously in there and it was a nice view there imaging uh you can do this from in town uh dark skies help especially when you're doing these faint extensions off the galaxy there and you could also add some h alpha detail because there is some star forming regions inside or h2 regions inside the galaxy so adding some hydrogen alpha if you've got like a, a monochrome camera adding some of that data there is kind of helpful help pop some of the detail out there if you're looking to do that so uh, m51 is a great galaxy right now it's nice and high uh, it's it is past the meridian so you are starting to do it is starting to set but uh you still have a couple hours to get a nice shot off of that as well so there you go
that's m51 definitely worth getting out there now there's a ton of stuff up right now i would like to mention that is just there's not enough time well today there might be enough time because we've been flying through it so i might have to dig some stuff up but uh m51 is a good one but there's all kinds of objects up this time of year It'd be very very busy if you're in a dark sky site m13 the hercules star cluster uh, this is the object i probably start off with most this time of year um, it's big it's bright it's easy to see about 25,000 light years away about a million stars about 175 light years in diameter um, so it's a really fun one to go after very easy object to image um, and it's something you can actually do in town both visual and photographically the nice thing about globular clusters or any cluster of stars from in town is light pollution isn't a major factor on them it uh, you don't need super long exposures you can get some nice color on the stars um, and really get some nice detail without really having to work tremendously hard on it and they're not as affected by gradients because there's not a lot of faint stuff around it um, and you don't really need any special filters to work on it so m13 or any major globular cluster is a great one at least here in the northern hemisphere but that's it's really nice and high uh, in the constellation of hercules right after sunset at least here in arizona it's it's practically straight up uh by the middle of the evening but uh it's a fantastic cluster to go after and it's both it is doable in town and most telescopes binoculars you can see it and imaging it's also an easy target to work with uh as well so give that a go see what you can find um one thing that i do like to do with people is i want them to go back and look at objects they may have passed over and m13 there's not a lot in it that you can pass over except there is a a little section in there called the uh, propeller and you can kind of see it here there's like three dark lanes right in here um, it's easier to see visually uh, but those are three dark lanes in there it's called the propeller it's a fun little detail about m13 that you can try to find uh, both visually and photographically but if you are going after it see what you can get all right so some of our summertime companions are now starting to pop up particularly in the constellations of scorpio and sagittarius and all that stuff down there near the core as well as cygnus um m8 the lagoon nebula this is in sagittarius about 4100 light years away this is a very easy object to image and there's a lot of detail in there as well it's also fun to actually try out uh, filters on both visually and photographically uh, it is doable in town obviously dark skies are going to help but if you want to try and maybe you got some new filters and you want to mess around with them uh, an oxygen 3 filter or an ultra high contrast a uhc filter is a very good uh, set of optics to utilize on this for visual use uh, mess around with it see what kind of detail it gives for you um, we were observing this through my 28, which we had a night vision system on, and it was absolutely mind-boggling how cool that was. Um, I know some of you who follow me on my Instagram, the Focus Astronomy Instagram, uh, were asking about the night vision uh, setup. We are going to do an episode about night vision astronomy probably this fall. 
um, trying to learn more about that and kind of understand the whole thing before we go into it. Um, but we will be doing an episode about night vision observing. Um, and one of the targets we were looking at was uh, the lagoon, and it was absolutely awesome uh, to see. Now, um, the lagoon, like I said, is mostly visible with O3 and UHC for visual use. Um, that can help if you're doing a lot of in-town work um, and if you're trying to bring out certain details in a dark sky site. Uh, imaging, you can do it from in town. It does have some nice extensions on it, which might be affected by the light pollution. So if you have a light pollution filter, go ahead and do that. Um, it is a very good narrow band target. So if you want to get crafty with like a Hubble palette, like HA03S2, um, if you want to do something kind of, uh, crazy like that, uh, this object does a very good job uh, with those particular filters. So go ahead and try that experiment. Maybe do a bicolor image where it's HA and O3. There's all kinds of things that you could actually do uh, with this. But that is the Lagoon Nebula M8. It's also a great binocular object. I know uh, some people are asking about binocular astronomy. Um, I have a small section on that uh, later. But I'm trying to let stuff uh, pop up. Um, but yeah, this would be a great binocular object, uh, for people to go out and observe. It's very easy to see, especially in a semi-dark sky, especially if the darkest portion of the sky is in the south, uh, where you're not looking over the city lights. You can get some nice views of the lagoon out there and it is naked eye visible from really dark skies. You can see it as like a hazy patch up there just off, uh, Sagittarius and it can be a very nice wide field optic. Uh, target because it does have quite a bit of reach outside of it now another companion right next door to m8 is m20 probably one of my favorite nebulas because i'm a big fan of dark nebulas and this has a bunch of crazy structure in it because of the dark nebulas uh this is the trifid nebula also in sagittarius it's literally next door um to m8 the lagoon if you have a wide enough field of view there's a chance you'll probably just get both of them in the field um, but that's a very awesome um, set of objects to see. This one's a little bit further, about a thousand light years behind the lagoon, about 5,200 light years. This one's a lot more difficult than I think people think it is. Um, especially in town, if you're doing it visually, it's quite a challenge. It's a lot fainter, more diffuse object than the lagoon is. And it's really better reserved for dark skies, but it does have a lower surface brightness than the lagoon does. So... I found that you probably want to spend a little bit more time observing it, trying to find it. Um, the use of a UHC filter can really help pop out uh, the main region. The, the pink portion is what you'd probably see visually. You're not going to get much of the blue region. That's a reflection nebula. Those are very difficult and faint to actually see visually of, at any time. Uh, but the red, red pink portion of the nebula of the trifid there that is something that is doable um, in most telescopes so you can actually see that pretty easily uh, this is also a really nice narrowband target so if you wanted to do again a hubble palette or mix something up if you're in a really heavy duty city light area um, hubble palettes or any kind of narrowband work can be very helpful for the trifid um, but because it does have some of that reflection nebula, that can be very difficult to shoot a color image of that in town. So it might be better if you do that 
a little bit further out of the city lights like any other target but you could, i've seen people do it and make it work but from a dark sky site it's a very very cool target to go after uh, and that's the trifid now one thing you could do is you could spend a couple times shooting the lagoon a couple times doing the trifid and make a nice mosaic out of it here's the two here's my two frames uh stitched together uh, this is on our remote observatory with our Esprit 150 with the full frame ZWO 6200. Um, stitching those together, you get a really nice mosaic between the two targets there. So could be something to go after, something to try. Maybe you have a lens, uh, an optic or a telescope that's big enough to actually get both of them in the field of view and you don't have to deal with it. But yeah, there is uh, a cool chance of doing some kind of mosaic there as well. So something to think about. Now, Volpeca moving up. It's This is just off the bright stars. Um, Alberio, not too far from the tip of Cygnus. Uh, but M27, the Dumbbell Nebula, is a great planetary nebula. I think it's about 9,800 light years away or so. And it's a planetary nebula. But the cool thing about this is a lot of you are very familiar with like the Ring Nebula, where you're basically looking like right down the center of like the Cheerio-looking thing, or the Donut. M27 is actually visible sideways. That's how we're observing that. We're not looking straight down the center. Um, so it's a little different view than some of the planetaries that are out there. And it's kind of a cool object to go after. But um, it does fantastic in town. It this uh, It's something that's kind of neat uh, to see because it's got a lot of detail, a lot of potential. And you can do a lot of narrowband work with this. Um, if you're doing this visually, UHCs or O3 filters are very, very helpful um, in bringing out some of the extensions uh, and detail in the core. Photographically, you can do this in town, but if you really want to bring out some cool detail with this, it's the wings um, that I think are the best. You can just start to see them kind of floating out here. Um, I do have a lot better shot of the wings with a narrowband, but the... Uh, the Dumbbell Nebula has these really cool extended uh, wings that come off of the Planetary Nebula core. And those are usually best done with like an Oxygen 3 filter and a lot of exposure time. I'm going to try to see if I can find this really quick. Um, this was a couple years ago that I shot the, the extensions coming off M27. But... Um, if you have a narrowband filter or one of these uh, multiband narrow, something that actually allows the oxygen three portion to pass through, that's really what you're going to want to pull that detail out because a lot of the wing extensions of M27 are visible in the oxygen three wavelength. Um, I'm not sure I can find this off the, on the whim I'm trying to do right now. Um, but yeah, it's like, don't have it. Never mind. Uh, but yeah, if you want to start shooting the Dumbbell Nebula, I would try doing some narrowband work. The hydrogen alpha in this section really does come out, but then the O3 portion um, is very, very nice on here. So if you have a nice set of narrowband filters, give that a go and see what you can get out of it. But that's M27. Uh, the Dumbbell Nebula, I think it looks more like an apple core um, inside a telescope because you don't really... I don't know. I think it looks more like an apple core uh, than that. But that's M27. That's up in Volpeca. Uh, it's a planetary nebula. Very cool object to see right now.
not too difficult uh, photographically or visual. Now, my favorite object in the entire summer sky is the Veil Nebula, the Cygnus, the Swan, about 9,800 light years away for this one. Might be a little bit further. Um, but the Veil Nebula is a complex. It's not just a nebula. It's a supernova remnant, a star that died a long time ago, detonated in a very violent um, explosion. But the veil is a massive object. It covers about three degrees of the nighttime sky. Um, it does really require darker skies, and I would highly recommend using an O3 or a UHC filter if you want to bring out the section. Um, the easiest one to find of the veil nebula is the western veil, which is down here which, with the bright star right here. This is a naked eye star right off the, uh, what would that be? one of the wings of Cygnus. I forgot which direction it is, but um, uh, it's easy to find. If you can look for the Veil Nebula on a chart, you'll see the bright naked eye star, and you can actually track that down uh, easily uh, with that. But you start with the Western Veil, and then you can find the Eastern Veil. And then if you really have some good skies, you can start tracking down Pickering's Triangle and all these other little faint extensions of nebulosity that are kind of... Uh, floating around in the area up there uh, this is a excellent target for uh, astrophotographers who have a wide field uh, setup like I said it's about three degrees of the nighttime sky so it's a big chunk of sky dark skies definitely help um, it's also an excellent narrowband object if you're doing oxygen 3 and H alpha like a bicolor image it comes out really well but I've also seen people do some really nice work um, with Hubble palettes now, one thing I would like to mention on this, um, a lot of people when you're doing astrophotography and you're doing processing, they will go it and find the darkest black section of that, and then they'll adjust the slider all the way over. Uh, yeah, 52 Cygni. Uh, thanks, David. Uh, 52 Cygni is the name of the bright star there, uh, but it is naked eye. You can see it. Um, a lot of people in this area will tend to clip the blacks um, when they're doing processing of this target and they'll make the background just black. What you should remember is this is a supernova region inside one of the Milky Way arms. There's a lot of dust in this region. Um, you can see some of that dust right down here. It's kind of a brownish color and it actually kind of moves its way all through the nebula. So be careful when you're shooting this region that you don't just shove the slider all the way to the black side and clip out a lot of this dark detail. It's a supernova remnant. A lot of dust, a lot of material that exploded off of the star. Don't just make it black and get rid of a bunch of the dust. There's a lot of very fine, elegant dust that's floating up in this region, and sometimes it's more of the brownish colors. It's not always going to be some black color. So there you go. Good luck with that. Now, a lot of people are asking about different sections um, regarding different targets of the month. So I'm trying to incorporate some of that stuff that you've been asking about. And this is our new section, and it'll probably evolve a little bit, but target of the month. Now, we're going to break this into categories and kind of try to focus on certain objects for various types of equipment. So I'll give you a target that will be sit sitting inside of 
each section there. We're only going to have one target per section. Um, and then hopefully this will give you something to go after. And this will obviously evolve as things start to, you know, get bigger and more advanced. Um, so the first section that we're gonna, obviously going to do is Nightscape. Uh, Nightscape, it's very appropriate for this time of year because we have the Milky Way. So the challenge of the month I would have for you if you're doing Nightscape is the Milky Way Pillar. Um, this is where the Milky Way is nearly vertical. Um, usually done around the middle of the night right now. Um, not when it's low in the sky, not when it's setting, when it's nearly vertical. So you're looking for the Milky Way Pillar um, where it's almost straight overhead. That would be my nightscape target of the month, getting a shot of the Milky Way at near vertical um, as it's crossing the sky. Or better yet, maybe you have a fisheye and you can go all the way overhead um, with that. But that would be my challenge uh, for you guys um, is getting a shot of the Milky Way pillar. Uh, this was shot at Grand Canyon a couple years ago. I believe this was with my old Sigma 14 millimeter art lens. I kind of missed that lens, but um, big, big chunk of sky. Now, a lot of people were also asking about binoculars. Um, I'm not a big binocular observer. Um, I have some smaller binoculars, but I wanted to add this section for those of you who are asking uh, for targets. Uh, so for binoculars, we have uh, the coat hanger. The coat hanger is a cluster of stars. It's up in Volpeca. Actually, it's not far from M27, um, but it's, it's kind of this angle of this little curve of stars and the straight through section there that is the coat hanger cluster um, coat hanger cluster. Uh, it's also a caldwell object um, as well so if you have the caldwell uh, list that's something you could actually come up with as well i just think if i can find oh i'm sorry colander uh colander 399 is the object catalog um, but that's in Volpeca it's actually a pretty cool object to track down it does well in very wide field objects and also binoculars so if you want to actually give that a go that would be the binocular object of the month um, if you're looking for something like that it's kind of a neat thing uh, to go after and find so there you go that is the binocular object of the month. Uh, hopefully that is something fun for you to go track down. It's actually a very cool object to see because um, it literally looks like a coat hanger, um, but it is bigger than you might think. Now for telescopes, uh, you know, this is something, uh, the Veil Nebula, of course, is going to be my object of choice uh, for the month. Um, really spend some time when you're observing the Veil or trying to see um all of that uh object it really is you could spend an hour observing this because of how big it is depending on the telescope that you have because a lot of times you're not even going to be able to fit it in the entire field of view so that is the veil nebula uh the western veil the eastern veil um and then pickering's triangle is a little bit more of a challenge because it's fainter but again don't be afraid to pop out that uhc or o3 filter into your sick into your scope um, and try to pick that up. Maybe you've got a friend with a bigger daub. You know, if you've got like a 15 inch or larger telescope, this gets really interesting very quickly. Um, but don't be afraid to go after that object, both visually or photographically. Now, here's the section of things I wanted to bring up. 
so obviously we've broken up some of these sections um, and this is where I will need your opinions on this. I know there's a bunch of you in the chat. So one thing that we've been talking about doing is a challenge target of the month. This is going to be something that's probably off the beaten path. It's a little weird. Um, right now we're thinking, unfortunately at the moment, right now we're thinking it would only be for uh, astrophotographers because we have to have some way of showing that it was actually done. Um, visually it would be an honor system, um, but right now it would probably be just for the astrophotographers. But a challenge object for the month. You, we will give you a picture of it at the beginning of the month and you have until the end of the month to basically grab a shot of it and you send that in to us and when we confirm that the shot is there we are thinking about getting like lapel pins or something like that that'll be you know skywatcher challenge target um and you get a pin you know we'll custom make them or something like that but we'll get some kind of pin made up and then once we get your picture and we confirm that that's it then congratulations we send you a pin and you get the challenge target uh pin so that's something we're thinking about doing. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing it go into the visual world as well. I'm, I'm a visual guy as well, not just astrophotography, but um, it's harder for that to be confirmed. So right now we'll probably just do this for astrophotography, see how that goes and go from there. But if you like that, let us know either in the chat or in the comments. Um, and then we'll look into doing that. If there's enough interest in that, we'll, we'll take a look at start you know, designing some kind of cool pin. Um, I think it would be cool to switch the design of the pin every year. So that way it's different all the time. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Um, so, uh, uh, red shirts, that'd be awesome. Jeff, my boss, who's also watching would appreciate the red shirt comment cause he's a Trekkie. So, but, uh, no, that'd be kind of cool to have red shirts. So, um, I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, that's something we're thinking about doing. Um, again, we're trying to listen to you guys for the webcast. You can see we kind of added, you know, a section for binoculars and nightscape and telescopes. And we're going to try to uh, juggle those around with different targets each month for something that's kind of fun for different sections of astronomy as well. So we'll go after that. Um, but if you guys have interest in the monthly challenge target, um, where you get like a pin if you get the image of it, um, do let us know. Um, you can even email us at info at skywatcherusa.com about that if you have interest in that. Um, but we'll take a look at doing that. Uh, I think it'd be kind of a cool idea. So that's something we're kind of working on uh, right now. But hopefully that is uh, something that you'd be interested in as well. Well... I knew we would blow through today's episode a lot. Well, we went through it a lot faster than I was really hoping for. Um, but that's how it works. Um, that's pretty much it for today's episode. I know we're finishing up a lot earlier than I'd like to, but um, there's there's a ton of stuff up, but I'm, I don't want to like blow through everything either. Uh, so if you like what you see here, please hit subscribe. Uh, if you have some ideas for a future episode, uh, info at skywatcherusa.com. Uh, what's up, webcast, if you could do that. Um, that was July Night Skies. Uh, really, right now, 
It's a bunch of nebulas that are up. It's also Milky Way season, so get your star trackers out and go take some awesome pictures of the Milky Way. Uh, that's really the prime target right now. Um, if you're like us here in the desert, it's monsoon season, and that's pretty much going to get shut down here. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking astronomy apps. That episode should be the entire uh, full hour, um, but we're going to talk about astronomy apps. Um, all different kinds from our calculator all the way up to something like Sky Safari that you can control telescopes with. Um, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll look into doing something like that. Hats. You guys want hats instead of pins. Okay, well, I guess we'll have... I understand the whole pin thing. Um, it's kind of a weird thing to have on. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. But if you guys have interest, you're astrophotographers and stuff like that, um... Give us your ideas, info at skywatchusa.com. Um, I know I skipped a bunch of targets that are up right now, um, but we'll we'll definitely, you know, there's a bunch of stuff. So we've got plenty of episodes coming up. Um, next week, we're talking about astronomy apps. Um, that one should be back to our usual, you know, full one-hour segment there. Um, but we definitely appreciate you hanging out with us today. Uh, please have a good and safe 4th of July weekend. Keep all 10 fingers. If you don't have 10 already, sorry about that. Um, but uh, yeah, try to keep your fingers. Don't blow anything off. And uh, we will see you guys uh, next week. Clear skies and uh, have a great uh, weekend. Take care, everyone. See ya. Bye.